WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noam Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noam on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me, 501. Good morning. It is Monday, November 6th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Mix of sun and clouds today, the high 57. Tonight, overnight, partly cloudy, low 52. And then Tuesday, it's going to be awfully warm. Sunshine, high 70. If you're walking out the door with us right now, 40 and clear in Pearl River up in Rockland County, 36 and clear in Bridgewater down in New Jersey, and it is 44 and clear right here in Midtown outside our studio. So much to get to as we work our way up. Six o'clock hour, Sid and friends in the morning. What a great day it was yesterday for the marathon. Maybe just a tad bit warm for the marathoners, but it was fun to watch them all out there. 50,000 runners from all 50 states, 150 countries. Uh, it all started on Staten Island, the finish line, of course, in Central Park. Excited spectators everywhere. Uh, runners post-race with those jackets on. The uh, winner was Tamira Tolad, who's from Ethiopia. This is sort of amazing. So it's, he runs 26.2 miles in two hours and four minutes and 58 seconds. It's the best marathon time in 12 years, even with the weather being as warm as it was. By midday, it was 66 degrees, which is way too warm for runners. Uh, here was uh, Tamira yesterday at his post-win press conference. I work hard training. So it is confidence for me. Yeah, he's not a man of many words. The women's race dominated by Helen O'Beary. She's from Kenya. She wasn't too far behind uh, Tamirat. She finished the race in two hours, 27 minutes, and 23 seconds. Sort of unbelievable. Anybody can run. You think about how slow in comparison people were running the marathon just a decade ago. And now you have people finishing in two hours and 27 minutes. I mean, that's outrageous. My first debut here was terrible for me. And I said, like, I don't want to come back here next year. <laughs> After that, I said, wow. I'm here again. So both of them will take home a $100,000 prize. Not too bad. For the rest of the runners, of course, it's just a personal victory to finish the damn thing. I'm really excited to be out there and, and feel the, the energy from the crowd and, and all of my, my family and friends who are, who are supporting me. Yeah, it is almost more fun to watch just the regular runners who train on their own at home are not in it for the competition, only in for personal pride and maybe to beat last year's numbers. Uh, there was a family of apple farmers from upstate New York. All different kinds of people running this thing. So there's a crew of apple farmers from upstate who run the marathon apparently every year. They're part of the New York Apple Association. And uh, here was their family of one of the runners from the New York Apple Association cheering on their dad. We just felt like it was really important to kind of rally everybody together and really represent farming. I think he knows this was his finish line, where his family is. Yeah, he came over to hug his family mid-race and then... There's always somebody who pops the question on the marathon. This is, it seems every year we have this story. So yesterday, it was Vanessa Martin who stopped at mile 18 with the ultimate surprise for her girlfriend, Joya Alberti. She went down on one knee on the street and asked her to marry her. 
It was crazy. She went down on one knee on the street before. Um, I fell to the ground. I dropped my phone. Um, and then I shaked for about 30 minutes afterwards. Figured, what better day, the best day in New York City, in the city that we live and love. Yeah, nice that. moment. Nice moment. She said yes, by the way. The couple from Long Island City has been together for five years. Apparently met at a fitness class. 505, out to the campaign trail. Former President Trump. Among the keynote speakers in Florida this weekend at the Freedom Summit in Kissimmee, the ex-president taking the stage and then taking shots at President Biden, saying if elected, he would put America first again. As president, I will be creating a truth and reconciliation commission to shed sunlight on every dark and rotten corner of Washington, D.C., Starting with Biden. The president accusing Democrats of rigging the 2020 election against him. He says the Justice Department targeting him for political reasons. He also criticized fellow Republican presidential nominees. Here's a little bit of that. It will not be a World War III, and we are closer than anybody understands. To protect our citizens from foreign threats, I will build a state-of-the-art missile defense shield. He went after Governor, former Governor Chris Christie. Uh, saying he's only running in the primary because Trump did not give him a spot in the cabinet back in 2016. And the former president scheduled to take the stand in the Trump Organization civil fraud trial in lower Manhattan this morning. Trump's sons, Eric and Donald Jr., testified last week in the trial that it accuses the family organization of inflating their wealth to obtain better loans. Ivanka Trump will testify apparently on Wednesday, despite her attempt to legally block it, claiming she would suffer undue hardship if forced to testify in the middle of a school week. After court last week, the uh, judge in the case barred lawyers from discussing his interaction actions with his clerk under threat of serious sanctions. And uh, then there's this new poll out that is good news for the former president. The 2024 presidential election, just exactly a year away, new polling done by the New York Times and Siena College shows former President Trump holds an edge over President Biden across five key swing states in hypothetical matchups. Of course, neither of them have secured the nomination from their party, but it looks like they both are on the way to doing that. So if the election were held today, which, of course, it's not being held today, it looks like President Trump would have the edge. But, of course, we're a year out, and these things can change drastically one way or another. WABC News Time 509. President Biden in Maine over the weekend, mourning the victims of last month's mass shooting there. We've done, Jill and I have done too many of these. Jill and I are here, though, on behalf of the American people to grieve with you and to make sure you know that you're not alone. The president, first lady, visiting a memorial outside the restaurant where the shooting took place in Lewiston. The president says too many Americans have lost loved ones. This tragedy opens a painful, painful wounds all across the country. Too many Americans have lost loved ones or survived the trauma of gun violence. The president meeting with uh, first responders, uh, health care providers, some of the victims' families as well. I know because Jill and I have met with them in Buffalo, in Uvalde, in Monterey Park, in Sandy Hook, and all. I've done, anyway, too many to count. Yeah, the list unfortunately just goes on and on. Uh, the man who killed 18, injured 13 in that shooting inside a bowling alley in a restaurant took his own life after the gunfire. The White House 
says it's not supporting a general ceasefire in the conflict between Israel and Hamas. Now is not the time for a permanent ceasefire. We've been very clear. Uh, it would it would benefit Hamas, uh, given the, given them uh, time to regroup and plot a new attack uh, or new attacks and uh, support we support humanitarian causes. Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre talking to reporters, a ceasefire, she said, would benefit Hamas. And she says they just want to pause in the fighting so humanitarian aid can get into Gaza and maybe check on those hostages. Temporary localized stoppage. And that would uh, that is different. That is very much different than a a ceasefire, Uh, a pause to get hostages out. Yeah, so she was on a plane. That's what the background noise is. We were hearing from the IDF, the Israeli Defense Forces, this morning. Jamal Musa, who is the head of Hamas's special security operations in the Gaza Strip, uh, has been killed by an Israeli airstrike. We don't know when, but this is just new information that's being sent out this morning. In 1993, Musa carried out an attack on Israeli forces patrolling the Strip. Israel has carried out more than 450 airstrikes in Gaza just in the past 24 hours, targeting tunnels, terrorist cells, military compounds, observation posts, and anti-tank missile launch sites. This, according to the IDF, just moments ago, sending out this info. It marked the 31st day of what they're calling Operation Swords of Iron, uh, of Iron, rather, launched by Israel in response to Hamas's invasion of the Western Negev back on October 7th. And uh, so, uh, uh, let's see, there's... um, there's all different kinds of death tolls. You just don't know what to go with. Of course, on the Israeli side, you have those 1,400 who were killed back on October 7th when Hamas savagely attacked families and innocent civilians on the other side of the Gaza Strip. Uh, the Hamas health ministry says over 8,000 dead from rockets that have fallen onto population centers within Gaza. The Israelis also saying 34 soldiers have been killed since they've started that incursion into the Gaza Strip. And then back here, Secretary of State Antony Blinken uh, having a warning for Iran and any other militia groups it backs that tries to expand the Israel-Hamas war. We will take every necessary step to protect our people. We're not looking for conflict with Iran. We've made that very clear. But we'll do what's necessary uh, to uh, to protect our, our, our personnel. Uh, be they military or civilian. So Blinken making the rounds in the Middle East. It started in Israel on Friday. He was uh, in the West Bank over the weekend, Baghdad. He was meeting with uh, President Mahmoud Abbas, the Palestinian president in the West Bank. He also met with the Isra- uh, Iraqi prime minister, and he said they had a productive discussion. And uh, so all this trying to sort of keep the war where it is between Hamas and Israel. Uh, senators of all type speaking about this over the weekend. Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders uh, says he supports Israel's right to defend itself, but also says the bombing in Gaza has to stop. What Israel does not, in my view, have a right to do is to kill thousands and thousands of innocent men, women and children. The senator did acknowledge that Hamas soldiers use Palestinian civilians as human shields. But military experts, he says, need to find a way to combat that tactic without harming civilians, which may be sort of impossible to do. Israel has a right to defend itself. Hamas has sworn that's what its goal is, is to destroy Israel. They got to deal with that. But there got to be a better way than killing thousands of men, women and children. Hamas is a awful terrorist organization is they slaughtered 1,400 people in cold blood.
And the executive director of the United Nations World Food Program addressing concerns that humanitarian aid is not getting to civilians in Gaza. In any war zone, I can't tell you that 100% of the aid is going to go where it's supposed to go. But uh, with the, the implementation of what our people do, our tracking tracing methods, we have a good chance of making sure that it does get to where it's supposed to go. That's Cindy McCain, the widow of former Senator John McCain, says the U.N. has an operation in Gaza for many years and that the U.N. staff members are tuned into what happening and they know the players so she said if the aid gets in it gets into the right people i look to our politicians to please figure this out uh, quickly as quickly as you can so that we can get in and help feed these people uh, and make sure that no more women and children starve to death and then these rallies continue there was a pretty big one outside the white house over the weekend maybe thirty thousand people pro-palestinian march speaking to people out here the main point they're free, making free, is that this war really transcends politics it goes beyond disagreements and differences of religion of land that this call for a ceasefire is about basic humanitarian rights that's reporter ali rafa who is at the scene of washington dc jewish community center leader was asked why there wasn't pro-israel supporters there and they said they decided not to do a counter protest to avoid potential for violence all right, 515, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk where we find probably a very happy Justin Ellick. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not, uh, I'm not in a terrible mood, but uh, my, boy, my voice. Your one. Yeah, what, yeah, my voice is that from screaming scratchy. at the game? Uh, yeah. Were you at the game yesterday? No, it's just at a bar. Oh. <laughs> well, he didn't sing the national anthem, so. No. What? It's from, uh, yeah. from screaming at the television, screaming a great obs- game. obscenities at uh, Dak Prescott. He's probably a pretty good guy, all things considered. But I just hate his guts. Yeah, when he's on the field, that's okay. You can hate his yeah, guts. Yeah, okay, fine. <laughs> as long as Noam Layden gives me his permission. You know, I was at the um, Temple University football game the day before yeah. at Lincoln Field, and I went to the end zone because uh, my kid has access to the field, okay. and I put a curse but it didn't work, apparently. Oh, <laughs> you put like a little hex on I the I did. I tried to put a hex. It just apparently did not work. I see. <laughs> Try again next time there. I will. Yeah. These people are sick. Yeah, yeah. They really they are, are, yeah. Are, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Week 9 in the NFL. I saw more of the same, though, from your New York football giants with the G-Men visiting the Raiders in Vegas just to get spanked by a score of 30-6. to six. And if that wasn't bad enough, quarterback Daniel Jones left uh, one play into the second quarter with a non-contact right knee injury, making way for Tommy DeVito to once again take over QB1 duties. The injury to Jones could end his season with the initial fear being that he tore his ACL. An MRI has been scheduled for later today to determine the full extent of the injury, but there is concern that this appears to be a long-term issue for Jones and the Giants will update you as we learn more there. Tonight, Week 9 wraps up with the LA Chargers heading into MetLife to battle the Jets on Monday Night Football kickoff there. is set for 8.15 p.m. and the Chargers are currently Three and a half point favorites on the ice. Just the Devils were in action last night, besting the Blackhawks in Chicago by a score of four to two. Dawson Mercer and Max Willman both scored in the first period, while Curtis Lazar and Michael McLeod added two in the third to help the Devs put Chicago away. New Jersey was without center Jack Hughes as the superstar was recovering from an upper body injury incurred against St. Louis on Friday. Hopefully he'll be back on the ice for Jersey come tomorrow night in Colorado on the hardwood. No local action last night, but both squads are back on the floor tonight. The Knicks will be at the Garden to pick off with the visiting L.A. Clippers at 730. 
while the Nets are simultaneously set to face the Milwaukee Bucks out in Brooklyn. That Nets team, boy, I was watching them over the weekend. They are awful. Yeah. God, are oh they bad. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I thought the Giants were bad. I think the Nets might be worse. Well, so. Yeah, and then you got to watch 82 of those games. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, back to you, Noam. WABC News Time 520. Let's go down to Washington, where Ukraine's ambassador to the U.S. says the Israel-Hamas war is diverting attention from Russia's invasion of Ukraine. This war on terror have to be won everywhere, and that we cannot afford to lose focus in one place or another. Oksana Marakova talking about how Russia's helping Hamas while receiving help from Iran and North Korea. She says Ukraine running low on some of its ammunition and is looking to the U.S. and to Congress to continue to send more military aid. In order to be able to stop not only Russia but other terroristic regimes, we also have to win in Ukraine. Yeah, Russian president, she says Russian president Vladimir Putin cannot be allowed to win. And she says the U.S. is a vital part of Ukraine pushing back. All the eyes are on U.S. Congress because we need the continuation of that. And the president of Ukraine says he would only need 24 minutes to convince former President Trump that it would take much longer than he thinks to end the war against Russia. The president, former president, says he could end that war in a day if he wins the White House. Former President Trump said that about 24 hours that he can manage it and finish the war. For me, uh, what can I say? That's President Zelensky uh, speaking to CNN yesterday. If you're not ready to give our independence, he can't manage it. All right, let's go to the U.S. southern border. Many of the migrants who've been showing up at the Mexican border with Texas are processed and allowed to live in the U.S. until their court case is heard. Republicans frustrated with how little information the Biden White House is releasing on the so-called humanitarian parole program. Part of the problem we've had is getting the administration to provide the accurate statistics so that we as the policymakers can know exactly what's going on. Texas Senator John Cornyn there backing legislation that would require the Department of Homeland Security to accurately report how it's handling migrants encountered at the border. Right now there's only limited public data available on the total number of people who've been released into the United States. These are literally people that are being released into the United States states who are making no legitimate claim to stay here. Yeah, so he wants to shine more light on the president's catch and release program. 523, the National Retail Federation projects holiday sales of about $960 billion or more during November and December. Have you walked into a store in the last couple of days? It's amazing how quickly it goes from Halloween to Christmas. I don't know why I'm shocked because it happens, I guess, every year earlier and earlier, but it, everything's decked out in Christmas already. Uh, this year will be record level of spending. It's uh, growth on top of good growth last year as well. That's National Retail Federation President CEO Matthew Shea says the projected 3 to 4% growth is not surprising since overall household finances for most Americans seem to be in pretty good shape. The holiday sales growth forecast for this year, 2023, is between 3 and 4%, which is between 958 to 967 billion compared to 930 billion uh, last year. 524. 
SAG-AFTRA trying to cut a deal with the producers out in Hollywood. They're reviewing, apparently, a long-awaited proposal from the Hollywood studios. In a message to its members Saturday, the Actors Union said, quote, We received an offer today from the AMPTP, which they characterized as their last, best, and final offer. We are reviewing it and considering our response within the context of the critical issues addressed in our proposals. Guild President Fran Drescher and the negotiating team are conferring on next steps. I'm Brooks Walker, NBC News Radio. Comedian, actor Russell Brand being accused of sexual assault again. A lawsuit filed on Friday in New York and obtained by Insider says Brand allegedly exposed himself to a woman during the production of Arthur back in 2010. The lawsuit claims that Brand later followed the woman into a bathroom and assaulted her while a crew member guarded the door. The New York Post reports that Brand faces several other allegations. I'm Chris Caraggio. WABC News Time 525. The NFL commissioner getting honest about international expansion. Of course, you probably were watching maybe over the weekend or maybe you weren't. Kansas City playing Miami Dolphins in Frankfurt, Germany Sunday morning. And he was there. Roger Goodell was asked if the league was looking to expand overseas, maybe London, maybe Germany. Uh, let's see what he has to say. But we now have so many markets that are really interested in hosting this game and and really are ready for this game so we're actually looking to expand it uh next year we will expand it next year uh to at least one additional market yes so okay the commissioner also says it's possible for two new sites for regular season games could arrive as early as next season yesterday we fell back an hour daylight saving time began of course everybody wants to weigh in on how bad this is for us whether it's springing forward in the spring or falling backward in the fall we did get an extra hour of sleep but apparently today it throws off our circadian rhythm and that's the biggest concern and doctors say uh, people feel more depression this time of year because it gets darker earlier well that's sort of believable people go to work and it's dark, they come home from work and it's dark. Yeah. And seasonal affective disorder is fairly common. Dr. Don Buckland there says uh, this whole hour back disrupts sleep, uh, plays with your metabolism, stress levels. Of course, a little bit more dangerous to be out in the streets because it gets darker earlier. It tells your body when to be active and when to not. It's harder in the winter, of course, because it's colder and darker, but we'll get you on track much faster in terms of adapting to the change. Uh, so he doesn't really give us any way to get around this. Apparently, you know, maybe talk to a therapist, I guess, if you're depressed. Bringing forward, they move us forward an hour. You don't get to use that hour. It just magically goes away. Yeah. And somehow that hour magically went <laughs> Went away yesterday very quickly. The day always does seem a little longer. That you have that feeling on Sunday. Like I look, kept looking up at the clock, and it felt later. And you're like, oh no, it's, I still have an extra hour. So that's always nice. The opening bell it rings this morning on Wall Street after stocks closed higher Friday to cap a positive week. Stocks rose. After a soft October jobs report sent bond yields a little lower, a jump in Goldman Sachs shares helped the Dow post its best week of 2023 so far. At the closing bell, the Dow gained 222 points on Friday. S&P 500 rose 40. NASDAQ gained 184 points. Talk Radio 77 WABC. 
It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's May 532. Good morning. It is Monday, November 6th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sun, clouds today, high 57. Tonight, overnight, partly cloudy, low 52. And then Tuesday, downright beautiful. Sunshine, high 70. If you're walking out the door with us right now, so happy you are. 40 clear in Pearl River up in Rockland County. 36 and clear in Bridgewater down in New Jersey. And it is 44 and clear outside our Midtown Studios right now. We'll start this hour out on Long Island, where indicted Long Island Congressman George Santos giving an interview to CNN this week and standing by his claims that he is Jewish, saying that he consulted with a genealogist to prove his grandparents actually did flee the Holocaust. The embattled 35-year-old Republican revealing during an interview on CNN that he has spent the last 10 months evaluating his DNA and working with a genealogist to prove his claims about his heritage. Also talking about the fact that even if he's expelled by Congress, uh, he survived an expulsion vote uh, last week that he would run again in the Republican primary. So if they expel you and then they put someone else in the seat, you're going to run in 2024. Absolutely. Uh-huh. Can you win a primary, given all these yes. things that are lined up against you? Yes. And the general election. This is a, a Biden-leaning district, could, and you have all these issues against you. Could I have won the general election last time? Nobody said I could, but I It was tried. a different situation. No, no, I understand, but elections are tricky. There, there's no predetermined outcome. He claims we in the media are obsessed with his indictment. Of course, he's accused of using donor credit cards to make un, uh, uh, unsolicited, un... Um, What's the right word I'm looking for? Making charges that he should not have been making on those donors' credit cards. Also, making up his complete fabricating his background, which he's copped to. He said, yeah, I did do that. But he says the voters kind of like what he's doing in Washington. Nobody elected me because I graduated college. Now, people elected me because I said I'd come here to fight the swamp. I'd come here to lower inflation, create more jobs, make life more affordable, and the commitment to America. That's why people voted for anybody. To say that they voted based on anybody's biography, I can beg you this. Nobody knew my biography. Nobody opened my biography who voted for me. Now, that's probably true. Probably didn't. People did not know his background. They, In that case, they might have been just voting for the Republican. And he was the Republican candidate that year. Uh, here's more from Santos, the CNN interview on Sunday. I'm human. We make mistakes. I've apologized and I will continue to apologize profusely for this. And and with remorse, I look, I am the first one to jump and say, I messed up. I made a mistake. Let me fix it. George Santos making the rounds. He's going to stop right here, actually. 9.10 this morning. George Santos, the Long Island congressman, will be speaking with our very own Sid Rosenberg on Sid and Friends in this morning. Uh, Sid and Friends in the morning, rather. Make sure you're listening at 9.10 this morning. Let's stay out on Long Island. where a community there is in mourning after the loss of two brothers killed in a house fire over the weekend. Their parents still in the hospital today. An outpouring of love and support yesterday. People leaving flowers and candles outside the home in West Islip, where these two brothers live and lost their lives. They One played on the West Islip High School football team. He's a 16-year-old Kyle. His brother, uh, Matthew, had graduated from West 
Ross Islip High. Uh, Kyle was a great kid. All he wanted to do was make people laugh. He was a blessing to the community. He made an impact on our lives. They're just amazing people. Fire officials say the pair got trapped in a fire in the home. Their parents, uh, Joseph and Tony, were able to make it out. And apparently, Joseph, the dad, pushed his wife out of the house and then went back to get his sons. But the flames were just too much. He could not get to them. Here's a neighbor who talked to Joseph as he is in the hospital. Joe actually saved her life. He ended up helping push her out the window. He tried to go back for him, for the boys, and he couldn't. So he never, he doesn't put himself first ever. West Islip fire officials say don't know what started this fire. Uh, the smoke detectors, they were there. Not clear if they were working. The football team uh, is in the middle of a playoff run. Of course, losing their player to a fire, they'll be thinking about him as they go back out on the field. We really stick together. We're West Islip strong. We really stick together. It's everything. Everything. It's a brotherhood, West Islip football. And losing him, it's just like... Losing a part of us, it really is. And we're going to all miss him very much. The school district there declaring today in West Islip Unity Day, asking students and staff to wear blue and gold in solidarity and solidarity and to show just how connected this community is. In just over 24 hours, they've raised $100,000 to help the parents out through this tough road ahead. That's pretty amazing. WABC News Time 539. Let's go out to Brooklyn, where a woman found dead. Her body discovered stuff inside a box inside her Brooklyn home in Flatbush, 67-year-old Shirley Anwar was found dead. Police say it was likely her son who carried out the crime. Yeah, it's scary. Really, really scary. And I'm getting nervous. Oh, my God. Well, I'm in shock. This is really scary. I mean, in the manner that she was murdered, if that's what they're saying is correct. I feel for the family. So apparently her son had mental health issues. Crime scene investigators seen carrying out bags of evidence for hours after the grisly discovery inside the Linden Boulevard apartment building. Neighbors who live below Aurora's fourth floor apartment say they didn't hear anything suspicious. He's crazy. They have to get him. Something is wrong with him. If somebody is going to do your, if you're going to do your parents, something like that, something is wrong. She told me, and I went out with my kids, and I'm like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. Law enforcement sources saying the woman's son hit her in the face and had placed her inside that box. Police say her son suffers from mental illness. Officers arrested him. 30-year-old David Drummond uh, charged him with murder. Now they're trying to piece together this whole thing. A new study finds that foot traffic in the city is still down 33% from what it was before the pandemic hit. University of Toronto measured the number of visitors as well as residents and workers in the business districts of major cities nationwide. They found that New York City has one of the worst recovery rates, ranking 54th out of the 66 cities surveyed. Lower Manhattan, including Wall Street's financial district and Midtown to Times Squares, where the areas analyzed in the study. One research suggests the shift to remote 
remote workers is causing the big drop in foot traffic. And no doubt it's that commute, right? Most people have an hour, an hour and a half in to get into work. And they say, wait a minute, I can take back those three hours and work from home. So it's a wonder if any of these areas that have been hurt so badly post-pandemic will ever recover. 542 out to Hoboken, a restaurant in the Mile Square City looking for answers after the owner says a pride flag he was outside the restaurant was vandalized for the second time. It's the second time this pride flag at Uncle Milton's Cafe was vandalized. First time was three weeks ago. It was ripped up and burned. This time it was just apparently ripped up. So I came this morning and there we go. Cut again cut it and left it in there. We can't feel safe anymore. Yeah, so the cafe's entire message is one of inclusivity inclusivity and safety and welcoming messages. They have a LGBTQ plus library inside the cafe, so clearly somebody was targeting it when they ripped down this flag. If someone playing a joke or, you know, thinking that this is funny, it is not funny at all. It's very hurtful. It is. And at the same time, it's scary. When it happens a second time, there's that notion of harassment, of uh, something that is no longer a one-off, and we want to make sure that that doesn't happen. Yeah, so police now involved to try to figure out who's doing this. It could be classified as a hate crime. Apparently, the cameras were not rolling when this happened, but uh, now the owner of this cafe says the cameras are back working, and he can't wait to catch whoever committed this crime. Yeah, and she's going to keep going. This is not going to stop me. If if you know if they want to keep cutting my flag. Be my guest, but I'm going to catch them, and I can't wait to catch them and just to put the face out there. 543, let's bring it back here into the city. Did you cast a ballot during early voting? It ended yesterday. My answer, I probably have the answer to the question I just asked. Fewer than 2% of New York City's 4.6 million active voters turned out for early voting. This is the stats from the Board of Elections. There were spots all over the five boroughs where you could vote early. And the total number of people who voted was 85,000. So 4.6 million could have voted. 85,000 did during the seven days of early voting. They also think this is going to roll into the election come Tuesday with just the biggest race being the city council races. Uh, Manhattan, by the way, had the largest portion of people who casted ballots early with 25,000 of them. Here was one woman who says you know, she was pretty excited to vote early. Generally, I like to vote early so that I don't forget and don't run out of time. I think it's amazing that we have an early voting process in New York and I want to take advantage of that and and keep it you know use it so that we don't lose it I guess you can make the argument no lines but the thought is there probably be won't be lines on Tuesday as well all 51 seats on the city council are up for a vote Tuesday thanks to redistricting after the 2020 cents as many will be easy wins for Democratic candidates who secured their June primaries but there are a handful of races in swing districts that may be tight One of those races to watch is in South Brooklyn between current council members Justin Brennan and Ari Kagan, who recently switched to the Republican Party. Now they're facing off against each other. Uh, We'll be covering all those races, so make sure you're here on election night. We'll have the latest results, uh, reaction from the candidates as well. Keep it right here to 77 WABC Tuesday night on election night. All right, 545, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk where we find Justin Ellis. Thank you, Noam Aladen. Got a start on the gridiron here in week nine in the NFL. Saw more of the same 
from the New York football giants with the G-men visiting the Raiders in Vegas just to get spanked by a score of 30-6. to If that wasn't bad enough, quarterback Daniel Jones left one play into the second quarter with a non-contact right knee injury, making way for Tommy DeVito to once again take over QB1 duties. The injury to Jones could end his season with the initial fear being that he tore his ACL. An MRI has been scheduled for later today to determine the full extent of the injury, but there is concern that this appears to be a long-term issue for Jones and the Giants. Tonight, Week 9 wraps up with the L.A. Chargers heading into MetLife to battle the Jets on Monday Night Football. Kickoff there is set for 8.15 p.m., and the Chargers are currently three-and-a-half-point favorites on the ice. Just the Devils were in action last night, besting the Blackhawks in Chicago by a score of 4-2. to two. Dawson Mercer and Max Willman both scored in the first period, while Curtis Lazar and Michael McLeod added two in the third to help the Devs put Chicago away. New Jersey was without center Jack Hughes as the superstar was recovering from an upper body injury incurred against St. Louis on Friday. Hopefully he'll be back on the ice for Jersey come tomorrow night in Colorado. On the hardwood, no local action last night, but both squads are back on the floor tonight. The Knicks will be at the Garden, tipping off with the visiting L.A. Clippers at 7.30 p.m. Well, the Nets are simultaneously set to face the Milwaukee Bucks in Brooklyn. Known that is sports, and I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. All right, let's catch you up on some of the bigger stories of the morning. Always a great day in the city on Marathon Sunday, and that was the case yesterday. It was beautiful. It was probably too warm for the runners, but if you were a spectator, it was a great day to be out. The race, of course, starting on Staten Island, finishing in Central Park, uh, hundreds of thousands of people lining the route to Mirat Tola from Ethiopia, winning the men's race. Two hours, four minutes and 58 seconds. It was the fastest time at the marathon in 12 years. He's not a man of many words, but here he was post-race. I work hard training. So it is confidence for me. Yeah, so it paid off. On the women's side, uh, they were not too far behind him. Helen Obiri, who's from Kenya, she finished the marathon two hours, 27 minutes, and 23 seconds. My first uh, debut here was terrible for me. And I said, like, I don't want to come back here next year. <laughs> After that, I said, wow, I'm here again. Yeah, so it was big for both of them. They go home with not only the win, but a $100,000 paycheck for the rest of the runners. It's all about just a personal victory for many people. It just finishing the damn thing, 26.2 miles, a lot of running. I'm really excited to be out there and, and feel the, the energy from the crowd and, and all of my, my family and friends who are, who are supporting me. So there are all kinds of groups that run together, NYPD, FDNY, goes on and on. But who knew that there was a group of New York apple farmers who run together? This was news to me. The New York Apple Farmers Association has its own running crew. And here was a family who came in from upstate to cheer on their dad. He just felt like it was really important to kind of rally everybody together and really represent farming. I think he knows this was his finish line where his family is. Yeah, he stopped his race for a moment to hug the family on the sidelines. And every year there's some sort of marriage proposal. This year, no different. Runner Vanessa Martin stopping at the 18-mile mark for the ultimate surprise for her girlfriend, Joya Alberti. She went down on one knee on the street and asked her to marry her. Ah! 
<laughs> it was crazy. She went down on my knee on the street of the court. Um, I fell to the ground. I dropped my phone. Yeah. Um, and then I shaked for about 30 minutes afterwards. Yeah. Figured, what better day, the best day in New York City, in the city that we live and love, to do it? It is a great day in the city. Joya, by the way, she said yes. The couple from Long Island City has been together for five years. Former President Trump among the keynote speakers at the Florida Freedom Summit in Kissimmee over the weekend, took to the stage and then took shots at President Biden, saying if he's elected, he would put America first. As president, I will be creating a truth and reconciliation commission to shed sunlight on every dark and rotten corner of Washington, D.C., starting with Biden. The former president accusing Democrats of rigging the 2020 election against him. And he says the Justice Department has been targeting him just for political reasons. It will not be a World War III. And we are closer than anybody understands to protect our citizens from foreign threats. I will build a state of the art missile defense shield. And the former president scheduled to take the stand in the Trump Organization's civil fraud trial in lower Manhattan today. That's what's expected anyway. Trump's sons, Eric and Donald Jr., testified last week in the trial that accuses the family organization of inflating their wealth to obtain better loans. Ivanka Trump will testify on Wednesday. That's what we're being told. Despite her attempt to legally block it, claiming she would suffer undue hardship if forced to testify in the middle of a school week. She has young kids. After court last week, the judge in the case barred the lawyers from discussing his interactions with his clerk under threat of serious sanctions. So we'll see if this all takes place this week. But the former president expected to be in that lower Manhattan courtroom testifying later today. And the 2024 presidential election is, well, almost exactly a year away. So New polling done by the New York Times and Siena College shows former President Trump holds an edge over President Biden across five key swing states in a hypothetical matchup. Of course, neither party has nominated their candidate yet, but it sure looks like Joe Biden for the Democrats, Donald Trump for the Republicans. And if that was the case and the election were held today, Donald Trump would be the overwhelming favorite. Of course, we're still a year out from that race. And President Biden um, mourning the victims of last month's mass shooting in Maine over the weekend. We've done, Jill and I have done too many of these. Jill and I are here, though, on behalf of the American people to grieve with you and to make sure you know that you're not alone. Yeah, he met with some of the victims' families and with first responders. Of course, the gunman there in Maine in Lewisboro uh, shot 18 dead, injured 13, then turned the gun on himself and killed himself. Let's bring it back into the city. You know, they're still looking for the two drivers who ran over a grandmother in Brooklyn last week and then drove off. Two cars hit this woman in Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn on Thursday, and neither stopped, and so far they haven't been able to find them. When you leave somebody lying, you, you, you give them no chance. Yeah, I mean, it is, you could have saved her life. Uh, she was pronounced dead at the scene so far, no arrests, but uh, they're looking through all kinds of surveillance cameras in the area, and just a matter of time until they catch up with these creeps. Town of Oyster Bay yesterday, holding a vigil to demand the return 
of the Hamas hostages. Yesterday marked 30 days since the terror group attacked Israel. Hundreds crowded the Plainview Old Bethpage Community Park yesterday in a prayer for these hostages. I think it's good for the community. It's good for the world to see where we stand. It's good to show our support. It speaks volumes when so many of our residents come out to stand together, to be unified with solidarity against the atrocious acts of Hamas. Mm, It sounds like it was a noisy affair there. Yesterday on October 7th, Hamas launched that surprise attack in Israel. More than 200 were taken hostage, including they believe at least 10 Americans. Yesterday, people holding candles, waving flags. And one of the hostages is a Plainview resident, Omer Nutura. Uh, he was serving in Israel's military near the Gaza border when he was kidnapped by Hamas members. His family, they spoke out at this rally yesterday. They mark 30 days. 30 days since this very, very dark Saturday. 30 days. With barely any sign of life, not knowing whether the hostages are alive, in what condition. You uh, you can only imagine what that family must be going through. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.